Hello. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good, 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 good morning, Dan. How are you? Pretty good. You're sounding quite medieval today. Yes. <laughs> Funny thing was, I, I came home after the show, and uh, my little girl was watching Brave on the on the Apple TV. Oh, nice! Almost like just uh, Providence. Providence. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's it's medieval stuff is everywhere. Yes. It really it's still is. it's still really with us. It's, oh, it totally is. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, you want to tell us about your trip? I, I you, have you talked about it other places? Uh, no, I haven't talked about it anywhere yet. It's kind of exciting. It was well. It was very per, on a personal level for me. It was incredibly exciting and crazy. Um, yeah, I. Uh, so there's there's this company. I think they sponsored this show in the past, but they've definitely sponsored some other stuff in the past. Uh, oh yeah, they, they definitely have. The New Relic is the name of the company, and they started out as like a, a small sort of performance monitoring company that they made it really easy for you to see how your Rails app was performing. And then they quickly grew and started supporting lots of other platforms, and actually then built a platform that other people could do little plugins for. So that essentially they've built this infrastructure that allows you to get really really great data about your applications and your your servers and your infrastructure and see how all of that stuff works behind the scenes and find out okay excuse me the app is running a little bit slow well here's why this sql query on this one page and this one action is what's causing it or this is how our server handles stress and a spike of traffic and anyway it's a great platform and then they they took uh, investment and then they went public and they're doing great and they're like a really really cool uh company and i've known the guy uh, who founded the company, Lou Cerny, since, like, I remember he had, like, this little fold-out table at a, uh, like, a little tiny uh, Orlando conference that I was keynoting back in the, my, like, my super Rails-focused days. This was, like, a, a such a tiny little shindig, and he was there, like, at a table just starting the company, and we just kind of hit it off, and so we've been friends ever since, and once in a while, they'll, like, they hosted that... Um, the WWDC party we had well, a couple of years ago. Didn't you help ago. them set up their studio? I did, yeah. I built their pod, little podcast studio. And so whenever they do something that's kind of cool, they'll reach out and say, hey, Dan, we're doing this thing. Would would you like to be a part of it in some way? And that's what they said to me about uh, FutureStack. I'd reached out and I said, this conference looks kind of neat. Like they had Waz speaking at it. I thought, that's pretty cool. Get to see him. And, and they said, could you come and moderate a few panels? I'm like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't, I think like the cloud infrastructure panel that you want me to moderate is not really my forte, but I'll moderate whatever you want me to moderate. And so they, they gave me a couple things to moderate. And then like a few weeks beforehand, they said, well, said, listen, we've had, there's something else that we're going to be doing that it might be interesting to you. Maybe if you want to do it, I'm like, sure. What, what is it? What do you want me to do? And they said, well, I don't know if you saw our announcement, but weird Al is going to be doing a performance for uh for the attendees because i guess there was 1200 attendees and they were having weird al do a show at the fillmore with for all the attendees and uh and that sounded pretty cool i said well what do you want me to do they said well we we're kind of wondering if you could interview him like on stage to close out the conference as the final thing and i was like 
Yeah, I think I'd like to do that. <laughs> yeah. so, no, I'll probably just head home. Yeah, no, I'm going to skip it. So I said, yes, that's kind of would be a dream come true for me to do that. And uh, and so that's that's what we did. And it was uh, really fun. I'm, I can't wait for the video uh, of it because they had like a really high end like video production crew and everything doing this. It was amazing. And uh, and so I got to interview Weird Al on stage for like 20 minutes and it was it was really fun and really cool and something I never imagined I would ever be doing. <laughs> so that's so that's so strange. Yeah, wow. it's so cool. What you what do you talk about? What did you guys What did you guys talk about? The main focus uh, talking with him was how he's you know if you think back to like just how, basically how he deals with the data stack. Yeah, how what you know what his infrastructure is. No, we we were talking about mainly about how he's used whatever the the current. Ad, most advanced technology is to kind of engineer and get his his music out there in front of the biggest audience. So, like, if you think back to the way that he used music videos, thinking about, like, specifically, like, Eat It was the first one that I really remember. Uh, I mean, he, he did that scene for scene with for the Michael Jackson video, but, like, the video was what put him on the map. It wasn't the music. It was the video. And today he did the same kind of thing using social media in a way that nobody has ever really done to promote an album. His latest album, uh, which uh, it, it premiered, first of all, it, it's a number, it was a number one album. It was his first number one album. It was also the first time that uh, an album, a comedy album debuted at number one. Wow. And it was also, um, so it was his first number one album. The first time his, any of his albums ever debuted at number one, obviously, uh, but the first time a comedy album has ever debuted at number one, and this was all done with uh, with social media, uh, all just the way that he promoted stuff with social media and with his fans and on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. So we talked we talked a lot about that, and he's he's such a nice, like he's such a normal person. He's such a nice person, such a gracious interviewer, interviewee, and and just such a fun, smart person. Is what, what what was he doing with social media? That's different. Well, it, I mean, what he, it's, it's funny because like, it's nothing really that different from what, uh, what you would do to promote something you were doing. It's just the first time that an artist really got it the way that we kind of geeks get it. You know what I mean? Like you, if I were to say to you, you've got a new podcast, how would you promote it? You'd be like, well, here's what I'll do. You would know it and you would do it. But like artists and people out there like that just it always comes across as so commercial and so like Hollywood when famous people try to do it. And he didn't do it that way. He did it the way like a regular person promoting something they were really excited about would do. And uh, it's just, it's really, really interesting. And uh, I get my, my kid who's uh, he's just obsessed with weird Al and like, after he'll see a Weird Al song, like hear a Weird Al song, I'll be like, you know, that's a parody song, this other song. He'll be like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yes, it actually is. And here's the original. Right. So like he, he just loves Weird Al. So he actually wrote out questions for me on a note card that I got to ask Weird Al. But I'm hoping that they get this video out soon because I can't wait to show it to them. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's when, when MTV first came around, I remember reading somewhere that when it launched in, I want to say August, maybe August 81, something like that, they had the, the entire corpus of videos of like every music video made for the last 40 years 
they had something like 150 or 200 videos, which, you know, explains why you would see only the lonely over and over or like <laughs> whatever. You know, there's certain videos you just see constantly, peace, love and understanding and, you know, or whatever. Because um, people have been doing it, but, you know, for a long time, people have been making... Like, they had some videos that were from movies in the 50s. You take something like uh, Blackboard Jungle or something. There's stuff that, like, you could make into a video. But, you know, even in the 70s and very early 80s, I don't think that was a big push because there wasn't a place to put them. And MTV provided this platform for for that. And it, it got, I guess it got pretty popular pretty fast, but it became very influential very fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like with within in MTV, it's one of those things like the Walkman, where like even if you didn't own it, you were entirely aware of it and knew about its influence. <laughs> right. And and you know, and so today, I guess that's in some ways that's that's social media. Where I mean, there are some people that I think even I don't follow what they do super closely. You think of somebody like Taylor Swift or Kanye West, and, or like Nicki Minaj. Like you can't separate what they do from that online presence any more than you could really separate at a certain time could separate uh an emotion or the police right. from mtv right because that's that's how you learned about them in a lot of ways no absolutely and you know if you think about that term that people use a lot of like disruption um it's always it's fascinating to me to look at these older industries, these things like the music industry, and we always think of like the big disruption uh, for music was like oh uh, the big disruption that's that CDs they're changing the way people get it, and then of course now we have like you can buy songs on the internet, and then that changes to uh, now you can just stream everything. And one of the interesting things that Weird Al said, I call him Al, uh, mm-hmm. that, that Al told me was that he's he's planning on foregoing any kind of contract and any kind of traditional music distribution from now on that that especially for his stuff which are essentially parody songs for the most part that he can go and he can hear a new song come out and he can get the idea for the parody he can write the song over the next few days get into the studio and produce it in the next week and release the song a few weeks after it comes out so the new Beyonce mm-hmm. song comes out in two or three weeks. He could have the the parody song of it ready to go. But if and you can't he, do that if you're on a cycle for an album every two years. Exactly. And that by the time that it could be pressed to an album, forget it. Like it's it's already old and it's not as funny. And I feel like because we do have the ability to stream songs and listen to them immediately whenever we want without really spending that much money. Like we've talked about how we used to tape the radio to you know have a have a, like a the the tape on pause on the radio so that when the song we wanted to hear came on we'd like unpause it and we'd record that, that song was ho- that was my hobby for like a year and a half <laughs> that's just like all I did right me too and like ha- being able to to just play any song we want as often as we want really for almost no money uh, that's changed so much and so you know the response to that is have an idea for a song, go write a song. Like why, why would you do that if, if you didn't have to, if you already had the kind of fan base that, that he has. So I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting to me the way that that's changed and he's on top of it, you know, cause he's like a geek. He's a nerd, like, like all of us are. And he's just wants to make music and do it the most effective way. Mm-hmm. It's very much along the lines of like podcasting, you know, like you can you can go and record something and edit it. And in a few hours, it's out there in the world. You don't have to wait the, these big 
old fashioned like production companies and networks and things just they haven't figured out how to do that yet. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think I've, I've been listening to, I think I mentioned, I know I mentioned on here, a really good podcast called You Must Remember, the, you must remember This, which is about the history of Hollywood, um, oh, cool. kind of one story or actor or arc at a time. And you think about what I would think of as like almost the antithesis of this would be if you're a contract player for MGM or Fox in the, in the 30s and 40s, where they kind of owned you. Right to where you they would they would take somebody who was you know had some apparently some raw talent they'd do some screen tests they'd figure out what you really look like how you could talk what you could be in and then they would put you into the movies that they were making where they thought you belonged you were a contract player right and one of the episodes they actually they have a whole series on the various paramours of Howard Hughes um, the multi multi part series on basically Howard Hughes's girlfriends over the years and the one in Catherine Hepburn is really interesting because she was she was very much her own person she was. She had been declared box office poison at a certain point. And then so the studio, she had a couple bombs in basically the second part of her career, which is like the 40s. And so they were trying to basically put her into stuff that they knew she wouldn't do because she was uppity in order to get her to violate her contract. Oh, man. So eventually they, they like put her in a movie. Oh, God, she was like on a farm with a monkey or something, like something just <laughs> awful that they knew she'd never take. And she's like, I'm not going to take that. And then, of course, you know, then it all fell apart. But the reason I mention it is like there's two aspects to that that are really interesting. One is that to me, which is on the one hand, you are utterly beholden to the studio to decide how you look, what you say, what you're going to make, how it's going to be marketed, what you will do to promote it. And in a certain sense, like basically what you'll be paid as, as, a, as an employee of Louis B. Mayer, like what you're going to get paid to do that. None, none of that's bad, but you can see how as a as the chattel of a major studio, you don't have too much of a role or, or influence. You are you are an employee. But then second to that, there's the idea that there's well, there's no platform such as it is. The platform belongs to the studios and you have a role in that that they tell you how to perform. But everything that you do, all the promotion that you do, all of that is to get people to come to MGM movies, to be aware of your your presence or brand, if you want to call it that today. Right. To, 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 but all that all that is in the service of MGM. But the second the second part is important though because. Uh, everything that you do is for the movies. Now you flash, flash forward to today and it's like, you look at somebody like Chris Hardwick, you know, well, what is it that Chris Hardwick does? Well, it depends on which Hardwick stuff you're aware of. Like, is he, is he a guy on the, that show at midnight? Well, absolutely. Does he do the ridiculously popular, uh, the show, the walking dead show? Yeah, absolutely. He does that. Uh, does he have a, a huge presence on Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. Like, does he help run this entire podcast network that's you know named after his you know brand or whatever? He does all of those things. So, w- which of those one things is the thing that he does and promotes? Well, he doesn't promote all those things. He doesn't a ridiculous number of different things that all kind of feed into each other, which feels like for now. Until people figure out what the next you know uniform platform thing is, that's that's his job is to do all of those things and promote all those things and to get people who enjoy one thing to go check out this other thing. Until you're really, it's all about the Chris Hardwick stuff rather than any given piece of media, which sounds really obvious. But like, I think it's worth doing a compare and contrast on other eras, you know, because now it's like, well, how do you say what what somebody does? There, there are people who do one or two things, but you're using all of these different media. And even if you are an employee, 
I mean, look at how often, I don't know how much you listen to public radio, but they're forever announcing what their Twitter handle is, how you can follow them on Facebook. A lot of my favorite podcasts are constantly mentioning, please come to our Facebook page and comment. I don't know. I think, I think it's an interesting change where there's not, now the platform really has moved back to those, those, those personalities and trying to like get at people from all, and in, in this incredibly fragmented market, trying to get at people from all these, you know, sort of different ways. Yeah. It never had occurred to me to think about it in terms of like old Hollywood, the way that you're describing, because it really does, you know, this is something that's been going on for so long that, you know, as you would sign up and get a contract, you didn't have a contract necessarily for like a certain number of movies in the same sense, right? Like you were sort of like, you were just sort of owned by the movie studio for a year or for five years. And like, they would just put you in stuff. Isn't that right. how, am I understanding that right? Yeah, I think so. You're called a contract player and right. it's, it's not so different from, you know, Frank Sinatra working for, was it Tommy Dorsey? Um, you know, you, you have a contract with that person and you work solely for them. But even through the, uh, the following 30 or 40 years, like, you know, the Beatles, were the Beatles really serious about, I mean, as great as um, uh, Hard Day's Night is, as pretty good as Help is, like, those are movies that mainly promoted, they were they were side projects that helped kind of promote the Beatles thing. I, I don't think they were ever that super serious about it. And it's funny, because I was, I was watching Homeland uh, this week and thinking about how I remember Claire Danes being 15, on my so-called life. I really like my so-called life. It was a really good show. <laughs> she was adorable and the show was great. And, um, what was it? Rayanne? Was that her friend? And, uh, and, and Ricky, Oh, what a great show. But like, you know, at that time, you know, would you have guessed that like, she would be like in her, what mid to late thirties and still be a star. She was on uh, that Aziz. She had a guest spot, hilarious spot on Aziz Ansari's uh, master of none show. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to, to think about like, you know, no matter what you're doing today, like where, where's the longevity in what you're doing. And like, if you had said to 15 year old Claire Danes, someday you're going to be a guest on a TV show with an Indian guy that streams over something called the internet that doesn't really exist, you know, as far as we know yet. It's like, how would you even ever guess that? I know. It's, it all evolved so fast. Yeah, it's so it crazy. did. It did. And that's the other thing that really, I think, makes such a a difference in today is how is the pace that things move today in every single industry. Like, I still remember vividly being a kid and there would be like one or two big movies that would come out that would be like a, yeah, they'd like be in a, theaters for like two or three months right they'd be there forever and you'd go and you'd be like oh let's go to the movies and we'll see that one again because you know what when it was gone from the movie theater that was it right we didn't have vcrs we didn't have dvds we didn't have streaming we just had like it it who knows where it's going to go or when we'll ever be able to see that again and so now it's like that process of like okay, this movie is announced. Then the major promotion stuff starts. Then it's in the theaters and all, you know, well, then you have all the toys that come out. Then it's in the theaters and then it's gone from the theaters. And then it's sort of like watching your watch until it shows up on streaming and then you get it there. It's like this machine now that pushes all of these, whether it's movies or albums or whatever, through their paces and through this, this process to get it to where it is now. But it's happening in so many different ways because these industries know that like people will shell out money to go and see these, these things, whether they're going to the theater, whether they're watching them at home, it, 
it's just this monstrosity of a machine and it's never ending. It's like this one blockbuster comes out and it does more at the box office than any other movie before. But in two months, that's going to record's going to break again. And it's like everything is bigger. Everything is better. Everything is faster. And it's it's just kind of maddening. You can't keep Mm -hmm. up with any of it. Yeah. 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 And you think about the cycles that it takes. I think I read, I, I might be saying this wrong, but I think I read that Spectre, the James Bond movie, cost 240 some million dollars to right, make. Right, right. And you just think about the commitment to making something like that, and then the marketing budget for something like that, and that huge amount of work, and how, how slow that particular ship is uh, to turn, and all of the kind of vagaries of the market, and of just, just all the stuff that can come up. I mean, again, look at something like, like I feel like I remember, um, might have been Blueprint 3. But I remember there was a Jay Z album that came out on nine eleven. It's like, what if you, what if you like, you know, put put two three years into a project and it just happens to come out mm. on the day that right. like one of the greatest tragedies of our time happened. Right. Like, well, sorry, tough nuts. Like that's that's how it goes. Um, yeah, Howard Hughes. Oh, here, Catherine Hepburn. I'll put this in notes. Uh, uh, Dan, could you please tell people, in as much as you're comfortable, where people could find show notes <laughs> for? Uh, Episode diggity two four seven. We're getting close, man. To the big two five zero. Yeah, yeah. Quarter quarter century. Final episode. Uh, You can go to five. I don't want to start that again. Five by five. I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss this show. (laughs) Me too. Not a lot, but I'll miss it. <laughs> yeah. 5by5.tv slash a B as in boys, two is in the number, W as in water weight, slash 247. Water weight. Water weight. Well, look at the welterweight. Um, well, well, welterweight. Uh, you see that lady? That, that lady, what's her name? Shonda Rhimes? I, she got kicked I in the head. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. Yes. <laughs> is that I, her name? Shonda Rhimes, right? Rousey. She's, Rousey, Rousey Ronda, they Rousey call Ronda, her. Rousey Yeah. Ronda Roundabout, roustabout, roustabout Ronda. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Apparently it was a Not very that. big upset. Yes. And the woman who defeated, for people who don't know, this is uh, the that WWF, would be, that would be me. right? That would be WWF. Yeah, that's the one that used to have Hulk Hogan. Yes. That's right. And uh, so she's she's competing in this. She's the, was the number one. She was, um, I guess, undefeated her whole career. She usually wins in under a minute, and she wins with this thing called an arm bar, mm. uh, which has Is that a to, submission hold. It's yes, it's uh, mm-hmm. something where you put, you begin, you somehow the you're sort of sitting, and I think this you sit down on the ground like Indian Indian style. Is that okay? Chris, to crisscross applesauce. Yeah. It's important to be comfortable. And then the other person lays down on, on your, put sort of their head on your lap or something. And then you yeah. use your arms or legs to bend and begin to snap their arm. Yeah. At which point now, they I, do I remember something arm called bars from wrestling. Tap yeah, that's out. no good. You don't want that. You don't want that. You tap it. Tap out. Well, I'm sorry to Shonda Rhimes. I'm sorry she got kicked in the neck. But she I, lost. I would, she lost. And, and she, she lost that. She lost apparently to somebody who was primarily a boxer. Rick Flair. Rick, F- right. No, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy, oh, too soon. Yeah. Yeah, he passed. I know. I'm sitting here looking at the uh, Wikipedia page, uh, Wikipedia, which is never wrong, looking at the Wikipedia page for They Might Be Giants. Now, they're, they're an interesting case, because they had funny, like, and uh, this will make this the whole show, but they're, they're so interesting to me, because uh, they had, uh, I love them, and uh, they they had initial, what what's the word I want? I want to say indie success, because, I mean, their first... They're like I had the cassette of their first record, 
and it was really really weird it was super duper the music was so strange it was like two guys and then like a like a boom box i think or a uh, they had something that like played all the rhythm tracks and everything they were so strange but then i'm looking at you know they went through they they had all their you know relative success i think they were on electra they had, you know, pretty good success. They were in lots of stuff. Even early on, they were doing very interesting stuff. They were, uh, they were doing movie soundtracks and stuff like that. But then, so starting in 2004, it says here they, they created the, one of the first artist-owned online music stores. So in 2004, they were selling MP3s on the internet. Like, like way ahead of their time. But then they got even more interesting because instead of just saying, well, how do we make this more like 1987? <laughs> like they did more and more stuff. They would still do these live shows uh, that, that, you know, people would turn out at but they did this over the years this multi-pronged approach that's so interesting they started doing podcasts pretty early on they started doing gosh they had a home star runner video uh they started doing the disney stuff like if you ever heard like you know on mickey mouse club they do a lot of the music for that hot dog you know they do yeah <laughs> but they started do, but all the way down to like they started doing this brilliant thing where they would come to a town and do i think they still do this sometimes they were they they started putting out lots of kids records they got a record about science they got a record about math i mean it's a, it's a no-brainer in retrospect god they might be giants and make a kids album that's so smart but then when they come to town they would do a show for kids and families during the day and do a kid a show for grown-ups and, and potentially kids at night like a pg-13 movie at, at uh, performance at night like how smart is that you go to you go to town you have two completely different uh, verticals you can work with so smart and they continue to to evolve like that it's so hard to see how interesting those choices will be except in retrospect you know what i mean yeah oh i mean that's the funny thing when you look back you're like this could you could never have planned it and yet it seems so obvious now, right? I mean, that, but that's the hindsight thing. But when you like looking back at this process, like looking back at the Napster time period, as crazy as that was like for music, it, it seemed like it just had to happen and it had to happen the way that it did. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I can't announce this yet, but uh, there's a, a thing I'm going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do a thing with Max from uh, Cards Against Humanity. And I look at Cards Against Humanity, and like I'm so interested in them as a platform. Like They do so much interesting stuff. They had this, they had this goofy game, then you buy a bunch of cards, and it's whatever, the game for horrible people. But like they do so much interesting stuff. They've got a scholarship fund. They, I think you know, I've, they have sponsored a lot of stuff I've done, I'm happy to say, best sponsors I've ever worked with. But they do stuff like they sponsor Accidental Tech Podcast and send John Syracuse a toasters to review. And it's, it, it's so great because they're, yeah, they're quote unquote advertising that show, but they're doing it in a way that's, that's so fun for people who enjoy that show. And on, on the show I do with Roderick, uh, uh, once or twice a month, they have somebody write a, a short song to like say, to greet John for the show. Mm-hmm. Paul and Storm did the one from yesterday. Uh, it's great. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just very interested in people who are thinking beyond and I, I'm not trying to be like, oh, innovation, think out of the no, box. No, no, like, to- but you're but, totally but right. Having, having fun with it and doing stuff that where you you have such a good idea about what you believe in and care about, and you have such an, such an, uh, you feel like you have a mostly up-to-date idea about what the people who like what you do like, that it can seem, if not obvious, uh, at least intuitive, to know what kind of thing you could do that continues to build that platform, if you want to think of it that way. I really admire that when I see that. There are so many companies that have, they have tons and tons of money, much, much more traditional kind of companies that have so much money to spend. And yet, the, especially if you're talking about ads and the other things that they do, they're so boring 
and so traditional, you know, that they're not thinking outside of the box. And it's like, as soon as, uh, as soon as the cards against humanity guys were like, they found that they were, Oh my gosh, like we're successful. They never went that route. They never went the route of, Yes, let's do this standard stuff. They said, you know what? We want to... Yeah, let, let's try to exactly replicate our excess, uh, success in exactly the same way by just changing one small thing. Right. There's that uh, a quote that's been quoted so many times that I think it's officially a cliche, although it is fantastic. Wayne Gretzky said, I skate to where the puck is going to be, right. not where it ha- has been. Which I continue to think that, that is a really, that's a really interesting way of thinking about what you do. Because if, if you look at... You know, so there's people who do all this stuff that seems pretty wackadoodle at the time. Like, why are you why are you wasting your time? Why are you burning cycles on this? Like, why did you create a forum here? Why are you doing stuff on Reddit there? Like, all these different things. That's that does not make money in the conventional sense. But then what happens? Somebody does it and it works. And then while that person or group continues to skate to where they hope the puck will be. There are, as you're describing here, there are a lot of companies that just hope the puck will still be where it was a couple years ago, and maybe we'll buy some more pucks. Like, but that's not how it works, you know. It, it takes it takes a real, uh, I don't know. It takes a certain amount of humility and lightness to be able to 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 not just look at what you want to do or what you've had success with, but to look at the thing that uh, people are interested in that they just don't know they're interested in yet. We help a lot of people, Dan. I think it's a show. It's a show about help, helping uh, people. And then in brands, we talk a lot about brands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm spent. We do. Yes. You got it. You're done. You want to wrap it? I I have one thing that's. Uh, uh, I don't have much to say about this, but uh, somebody asked. Uh, a listener wrote. And I mentioned last week how um, I've been trying to. Um, you get back to paper for some kinds of things. Well, let me put it this way. Well, just to recap that, like I, I find that if I begin my day by consuming any kind of media, whether that is Twitter, email, if I, it doesn't take much for me to feel really like drawn in to where now right. that's what I'm doing, which, you know, if you do that every day, or if I do that every day, that doesn't feel healthy. It doesn't, you know, I, I, I it, it takes, there's two parts to it. There's the one part, which is, okay, don't do that. Well, there's the other part, which is, you know, don't be drawn into this. Don't let yourself um, be chewed up in all the stuff that the world is giving to you before you've had a chance about what to think about what you'd like to do. So basically, a listener wrote and was interested in um, <laughs> real serious productivity porn. But they were asking, like, how I how I use a notebook for stuff like that. Right. And they wanted a, a little more detail on that. So I, I don't have that much more to say about it. But I have some suggestions for how other people might figure that out as well. Could we talk about that? Yeah, I think that would be very good. Uh, did you want to talk about something you like? Sure, I can tell you about Hover. Why don't we start there? I love Hover. When you have a great I'm idea. A hover, I'm a Hover lover, You're a hover, hover lover. It's hover a, lover. like Hubba Bubba, the, the old gum. They still make hover, that? Hubba Bubba. <laughs> Chewbacca Bobblehead. <laughs> What's Hover do, Dan? <laughs> they they register. Is, is that a drone company? They make drones? They do. They make small drones, pocketable. Pocket drone. You go to Hover.com. Whenever you have a great idea, you come up with an idea for uh, for a company name. You want a cool domain for your, you know, maybe your wedding. Maybe you want to come up with like a combination of your name and your spouse's name or spouse to be. And you want to register that and make that, you know, it doesn't matter what you're going to do with this. Build, build a new company, make a joke, talk, write about how to cook perfect bacon, whatever it is. You can do that and you have to start with a good domain. You go to hover.com. 
and they have a search box. In the search box, and this is what makes them different and special, is instead of just typing in like the domain and seeing if it's available, you type in the domain you want. Sure, you can do that. But you could also just type in the a word or a phrase or a group of words, and it will search for pretty much every single possible combination and every TLD or domain name extension that exists in the world for uh, things that match along with that. It'll suggest things. It'll also find exactly what you typed in. And there are all these really fun and some of them are kind of weird domain name extensions because as we all know, like most of the .coms and .nets are, are taken. They're used up. But there are so many other really, really cool alternatives that exist. They'll show them all to you. And if like the .com or the .net is taken, they can even help you buy it. They have this uh, built-in thing. You click and they'll help you get it. All of this stuff is thought through and they make it so easy for you to do the things that you want to do. Like for example, uh, like who is privacy protection? That's just built in. You just get that free. They also have free Valley transfer service that makes it easy to move a domain you have registered somewhere else over to Hover. They've got this really cool feature, Hover Connect. So like if you're signing up with Hover registering a domain name, but you don't know where to host it or you don't want to deal with that, like you just tell them, oh, it's hooked up with Squarespace. Boom, they'll connect it to your Squarespace account. If you want to do something like Shopify, you're making an online store. You don't have to like enter DNS information. They just, they do all that for you. They've thought of everything. So here's what you do. You go to hover.com and you're going to get 10% off your first purchase if you use the code LIBRARYELF. One Hello. word at checkout. So hover.com, library elf to get yourself 10% off that first purchase. Thanks to Hover for making this show possible, Merlin Man. Puck, puck. Uh, hover made me think of helicopter. So I went to, I'm on hover.com mm-hmm. and I did a search on helicopter. Okay, bad news. Believe it or not, turns out helicopter.com is not available. Not. Somebody already has that. Oh, should I just quit? Should I just go? Should I just go be helicopter.blogspot.com? No, there are many other options. May I read you some of these? Yes. You, you could go, now there are some .coms, you could get beltchopper.com, mywhirlybird.com, that's available. <laughs> you can get helicopter.expert, <laughs> helicopter.republican, helicopter.ceo, helicopter.industries, boom, nice. helicopter.church, thank you, helicopter.host, are you ready for this? All right, turns out, helicopter.fm, not too shabby, helicopter.band, helicopter.studio, these are all available, helicopter.cards, I'm I'm just picking these out, I'm I'm barely halfway down the page, helicopter.yoga, I'm so good at yoga, helicopter.actor, helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter.actor.helicopter
It's called adding value. Yes. God, I'm winded. You all right? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I got some. I got the right size coffee filters for my new dingus, and it's pretty exciting. I, I got some number two filters. Don't make it weird. And uh, <laughs> and so I'm making some number two coffee now. It's good. I got a different coffee uh, dingus. What are you using? You were on got, the K cups, and then you were on AeroPress. Uh, God, what a dumpster fire the Keurig has been for I know, us. I know. It's, uh, it's the, one, the one my wife has at work. Man, the one she has at her job that made us want a Keurig. It's got a permanent like line to it. So you never have to refill the thing. You just put a cup in and hit a button. Oh, isn't that magic? Yeah, that's very addictive. Next to my idea for a gravy fountain, that would probably be the second greatest thing I could ever have in a kitchen. That or someone who knows how to cook. But uh, <laughs> helicopters. I'm going to close that tab now. Uh, oh yeah, so I got I got a. Uh, it's not important, but I've got a, a little Melita number two filter, the little guy. And I make a coffee. Oh, this is the, is it like a, the pour over with the little part? Yeah, that, a little red thing, little red thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Um, I, I we could address this practically and philosophically. There are there are components, as you say, of both. Um, but I think the idea the the idea is that there's something about a piece of paper that can be both really intimidating and, in its way, very inspiring because there's nothing you can't do with a piece of paper. And I feel like the biggest hurdle to using a notebook or a piece of paper, whatever you choose to, you know, use, is to get over the initial hump of um, reluctance to put a mark on a page. Yes! Like, when I buy one of these fancy Italian notebooks, like, it's so pretty, and, like, I haven't screwed it up yet. I haven't said anything dumb. I haven't made something I didn't mean to say. So, part of that is realizing that that is there and 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 let's just be honest about this part of the problem with the costly italian notebook is like you don't want to screw it up like that each one of those pages costs money like it's expensive you don't want to tear pages out of there because you don't like what you wrote it feels like you know you, the irony is you start out thinking like you know the nice thing about paper is i can do whatever with it but the irony becomes like yeah but like i don't want to screw up this pretty notebook that i kind of don't deserve so it helps to get over the hump and like if you're whatever, let, let me put it this way, whatever your medium is, whether that's a sheet of printer paper, that's like less than a penny or whether that's pages in an Italian notebook or some nice graph paper, whatever it is, make sure that whatever paper medium you're choosing, you could throw away 10 sheets of that and not care. Mm. Like, so where if you wanted to write one idea on the page, you would not feel bad about that. Now, that's thing you should, but ask yourself mentally, like, eh, you know, what's my level of confidence what, versus what's my level of, like, discomfort about how fancy this thing is and I don't want to wreck it. You know what I'm saying? No, I really do. And that's, I, think it's th- I think it's a thing. I really do. Well, you ha- like, I recently was given a little notebook as a gift, and I think it, it came from, um, that's really, what's that really cool uh, store in Portland? Uh uh, Tanner Goods, that's it. And they have little notebooks and other really cool things. And uh, a friend got me like this. And it's so like kind of like the Moleskine style, but it's it's a little more down to earth than that. But still, like, I'm <laughs> like, I'm I'm afraid to write something in it, you know? Right. Like, and that's so stupid. Like, of course, just use it. I'm not. And especially when it comes to like physical things, like I care about the things that I get and I I try to take good care of the things that I have. But it's not like I'm sentimental about like ruining it, but there's right. like as soon as I feel like as soon as I write in it, it'll be ruined somehow. Well, when you say it's stupid, uh, it is and it isn't stupid. I mean, it, it, um, 
it is it isn't stupid in the sense that the kind of thing let's say let's say you start out with something you really 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 want to write down like if you let's start with the idea where you go like oh somebody reminded me the name of this album that i have been meaning to check out and i really want to hear it or maybe it's like the phone number person you're attracted to whatever that is like believe me buddy you will find something you will write on the goddamn tablecloth and like cut it off with a pocket knife like you will find a way to write down that information if you care intensely about it so i mean Mm -hmm. think about that though like are you gonna feel bad about the number of cocktail napkins you use to write down this thing not really um but the difference is like i say you've got this fancy notebook you don't want to make a mark in it the part part of it that is silly is that it is a fundamental uh, cognitive disconnect where you know you've got this you you suspect you've got this stuff in your brain that needs to go somewhere it doesn't cost anything to type in a text file but like there is even just that it's the reason people still when when you gamble and there's any money involved your thinking gets wrecked a little bit because you if it takes if there's any amount there's all kinds of like you know social science stuff on this turns out literature about like the difference between like if this is free and you know it'll be free forever versus it, what if this costs a nickel. And you actually, the way you process that information changes. So it is and it isn't stupid. I mean, it is stupid in the sense that you should, I don't say stupid, that's putting it strongly, but like don't have a notebook that you don't actually want to write in. And if you can't, if you're having trouble getting over that, uh, you know, like why would anybody need guidance on what to write down? Well, you need guidance because you feel like you have to have a plan before you write anything down. But that's the actual beauty of paper is you don't need a plan. You just start making a mark. You just start drawing. You just start scribbling. So, you know, this is a, this is a little bit of a side route, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say some words now. I'm going to recommend something. And I want as many of you as possible to consider buying this book that I'm about to recommend. I've had three copies of it. I bought a copy for my daughter and I want to really, really recommend that you buy this for yourself and maybe for somebody in your life, including a kid. It is called Wreck This Journal. Mm. Have you ever seen it? No, this sounds great though. I just put it in show notes. It's Wreck This Journal is a book you buy in a bookstore or on Amazon by a person called Carrie Smith. And the entire purpose of owning this book is to destroy it. So, you know, you you... You open it up, and one of the first things that it says in it is, like, go scribble on the cover of this. Another page. You turn to another page, and it's all it's all very chaotic looking. There's another page in there that has a bunch of, like, kind of, like, bullet holes in it. Now, take your pencil and poke holes in this page. <gasps> I'm not allowed to do that. This is a book, right? Another page. Tear this page out and hide it in someone's yard. This other page. <laughs> stomp on it. Take this entire book and roll it down a hill. Uh, it's just the book is full of, oh, here's one where just go make whatever you're eating right now, make stains on this page with whatever you're eating. Uh, it, it goes on and on and on until basically this poor book, it doesn't, it doesn't have a chance, you know, like just paste a bunch of stuff you found onto this page, but it has very specific directions on your role in destroying this wonderful book. That's the, your, your whole job is by the time you're done is for this thing to be, as it says, totally wrecked. On a whim, uh, I've had a couple of these, and it's really, really fun. It's really, really fun for reasons that, if they aren't obvious, I'll describe in a second. Um, On a whim, I bought one for my daughter and gave it to her. And man, she went to town. What could be more fun for a kid than destroying a book? And to be able to, like, not it's not just, you get this funny little twinge. You feel like you're doing something kind of bad or dirty. Like, you're not supposed to do this to a book. Right, right. But, dude, this is your journal. 
You can, yeah, there's, there's pages where you write stuff. There's pages where you draw things. There's pages that say like, you know, go make a terrible drawing of a head here or something like that. But, you know, even if you just do the pages that are about destroying it, what is it doing? It's getting you over this cognitive barrier that says that every mark I make has to be perfect. And it's saying that the whole point of this is to make it yours and do it in your own way. And uh, anyway, you either get that or you don't. But I really recommend trying it. Wreck This Journal by Carrie Smith. Because that's how you need to treat every notebook you've got. You need to need to be okay with whatever you put in there being complete garbage. And you're already seeing, you know, I'm tricking you a little bit because you're already seeing how many doors this opens. This means that you, even if you don't know how to draw, it's okay for you to draw. Even if you don't know how to doodle, it's okay for you to doodle. And even if you don't know how to write, you know what? You are totally okay to just go write something. And if you don't like it, you could tear it up and throw it in your neighbor's yard. So that's that's the attitude that it takes in order to be okay with writing on paper. You don't have to set it on fire. It doesn't have to be like a joke, but you do have to make the cognitive leap to going, this is my stuff on my piece of paper that I'm writing down. And however I decide to do it is okay. You know, that you bring, going back to the our conversation from last week about uh, the Renfest, and I was talking about how Everything in these costumes was sort of custom made and how we've really gone from a, a culture and a society as a whole that in so many ways was focused on, you know, building things ourselves and making things ourselves and fixing things when they are broken. Like when you used to buy a car, Part of owning a car was knowing how it worked and knowing how to fix it to a great degree or being being prepared to have to fix the things that you have. And there was this incredible value on things that last and don't break. And, you know, we've talked here and elsewhere about disposable culture that we're in. But it's weird because now there is very much like I remember talking to John Syracuse back in the hypercritical time period about your devices that are they better if you're keeping them perfect and mint when you have that iPhone that a year later still looks brand new or should it be like, and I think this was his expression, the, like the Millennium Falcon that it's this thing that it gets used and it becomes yours in that process of using it, you know, there are these great Filson bags that uh, that take 10 years to break in and, you know, you're like, you're they're meant to be used and they're made of leather and fabric and things that are meant to be worn and used and not kept in a pristine way. But we have this attitude that like, I bought it, so I, I should keep it nice, right? I don't want my iPhone to get scratched. Of course, I don't want it to get stra- scratched. So why would I be okay with my notebook being used, you know? And the idea of like getting a book that's meant to be destroyed is such a novel idea. I remember that scene in uh, Dead Poet Society when he's telling you to, telling the students to rip, uh, rip the page out. You remember of, of the book. And I yeah. just, I remember seeing that as a, a much younger person and being like, Oh my, like how, how subversive, you know, <laughs> to rip that yeah, out, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm also reminded of uh, a book I just had the show notes, a wonderful book by Natalie Goldberg called Writing Down the Bones. A very good book on writing. And, you know, she's, um, she's written some novels. She's uh, written several books on writing. A very interesting person. And, but one of the things she says is that she goes to the drugstore and buys um, 
really, really cheap notebooks. Like she might splurge and buy like a peanuts notebook. But I'm talking about like the the kind like you know wire wire bound like kids notebooks that make frilly underwear when you pull the pages out. And she says that her job as a writer is to take one of those notebooks, you know, one of those little thin like what probably forty eighty pages, right? Little cheap dollar notebooks, and fill it. All the way, every bit of every page. She's like, don't don't honor the margins, don't honor the lines. But that's her notebook, and she has years and years of these on her shelves. Where that's her job is once a month fill one of those. If she's filled a notebook that month, she's done her job. What a what an unusual way, what an unusual approach to thinking about how you work. That that you would take something and you know instead of being really fancy and saying like, oh, I'll do this on the fancier computer or whatever. That you know, but that gives her the permission to go and do that. Now, the other thing with right. the device is you can be wild. I mean, what my kid, what my kid does in the app called Paper on the iPad is, you know, some crazy ball stuff. She can do that without scratching the screen. Right. I mean, all the chaos is happening with, with the content that you're making and, and that's good. But, you know, but it, it's, I don't know. I do think it's a, it's a cognitive leap to, to, to feel like now we need permission in order to dump our brain and structure can help. But really, you know, structure can help. Changing the way your modes of thinking can help a lot. But like, um, I don't know. I just think there's something kind of kind of powerful about that. I agree. I love the idea, though. And I'm always, whenever we talk and we talk about these kinds of issues, I always go back to Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Persig. And that, I, I don't know why I always, this always comes back to me, but it's uh, his, he and his friend are on a motorcycle trip and his friend has kind of an expensive motorcycle and maybe it was a BMW motorcycle or something like that. And there's a problem with it and they use an aluminum can to a piece from an aluminum can to fix it. And it's not just a sort of a roadside repair that it was a roadside repair, but it was essentially a permanent repair. It would, it was fine. It never needed to be touched again, but to his friend, the idea that there is like an aluminum can is somehow now integrated into his bike like that, even though it would work forever that way, that wasn't okay. He had to like take it to the BMW shop. I'm sure I'm messing up the details here, uh, pig like that. But mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that there was something like fundamentally wrong that it wasn't done the right way, that there's, there's a right way to write in a notebook. There is a right way to repair something. Um, and, and, you know, th- that's something I think about, though, a lot, like this this whole idea of, like, keeping something in a certain kind of condition, in the condition when you got it. And we we talked about knolling, too, right? Like, people that really admire this sort of structured, organized uh, setup, but almost like in a, in a religious way that maybe is not a healthy thing. Yeah, but, I mean, what we're talking about— uh, the, the- that's uh, I gotta read that book someday. But you haven't we're talking read about, that? No, I don't read. Um, but the um, <laughs> but what we're talking about is modes, modes and modalities. I mean, this is this is part of being a grown up. Is you know, like like you said on your show with John, being able to hold two contradictory thoughts in your head. Right. I think that's a Keats thing. Um, but you know, the thing is, uh, if you're somebody who builds homes. Like when that home is done, you would like for it to be beautiful. You would like for the paint job to be well done. Um, you would like for the doors to open and close and not creak. You know, you would like to make a house that John Syracuse could be proud of. <laughs> but on the road to getting to that house being finished, there are many, many modes. And so, I mean, there's a mode. There's a mode that's about making sure we clean up the paint at the end. Before that comes the mode where we're trying to be very tidy about putting the paint on. Um, but think about what it looks like when you're building a house. 
where you've got these giant piles of junk. And like when somebody replaced our deck last year, our, our backyard was just a wreck. I actually didn't do that great of a job on it, so it's not a great example. But you do see these little, like, sawed-off ends of two-by-fours and, like, cigarettes and coffee cups and all this junk that gets made. It's all the detritus that comes from making something. But, like, that doesn't mean that you can't make something polished. Go back even further, though. And if you're thinking about what it is that you want to make, the modality that leads you to, like, design something uh, should ideally, let's say it, be very, should be creative. You should feel at first, like, in order to think about what kind of house you want to make, you have to think about who's going to live there, how you're going to use it, what's the climate. You know, do you want to build an outdoor room if it's someplace that's in, like, northern Alaska? Like, probably not. That's not a good use of our resources. But that takes a different mode of thinking. And I, I know this is obvious, but, like, th- we need to be reminded of this. So, you know... Even though whatever, if you're writing in this case, or whatever it is that you're making, where it starts with doodling in a notebook, the things that you make out of that, yeah, you'd like them to be nice. But like, this is a safe place. This is a place where you can go and just make a mess. Here's some more pages. This is from the Amazon sample uh, pages from uh, Reckless Journal. Figure out a way to attach these pages together. So basically, in my, my daughter's case, she used a stapler and stapled two pages of a book together. Not supposed to do that. Rub this page on a dirty car. Collect the letter W here. Collect dead bugs here. Drum on this page with pencils. Float this page. So, like, tear it out and throw it in a tank of water. You know, maybe you don't need that, but, boy, it sure is fun. So, um, talking about notebooks, I'll tell you some of my ideas about notebooks that have worked for me in the past. Would that be okay? Yeah. First of all, like, whatever notebook you pick, uh, yeah, it's okay if it reflects your personality. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you're going to buy a costly Italian notebook, a Moleskina or similar. But, you know, whatever it is... I think it, uh, this is partly just my dumb ritual. Like this, what you're going to get out of this at the end is do whatever works for you. But I'll tell you some things that work for me. One is after I buy the thing, I take out the little note about how this is the, this is the notebook of Chaplin and Picasso. Like throw that away, throw that away. You don't need that. Uh, bend it, bend it a little bit, loosen it up a little bit, you know, do that thing like you would with any new book where you're going to like loosen up the pages and just kind of, kind of squish it a little bit, get it, get it kind of comfortable to where you want. Open it up. If you want, yeah, write your name or whatever. You might want to write a phone number, your email address in case it's lost, whatever. That's, that's part of the ritual. That's fun. On the very first page, I write the same thing on the very first page of every notebook I own. And that is the following sentence. The first page is profound, period. I write that. So now I have gone, and on the first page of the notebook, it says the first page is profound. I now have permission, because I've already written something very profound in my notebook, I now have the ability to go in and do whatever I want to do. Uh, I would say, even before you've written a lot in it, start having some fun with it. Mine are usually covered with various kinds of stickers. Stickers don't actually stick to a moleskin very well. Like, we've got all these great, you know those sticker books you can buy on a spinner rack at the bookstore, oh, yeah. like the Marvel stickers yeah, and all yeah. those? So, so it's, they're really, really ugly in my case. So, like, I will, like, put a print. Put a Princess Leia sticker on there, but then I'll take some packing tape and put it over there to make it stay on extra good. Got a fruit sticker? Stick it in the book. Put it on the page. Like, start start defiling this thing. Start ruining it. And when it occurs to you to write stuff down, write stuff down in it. Make a little doodle. Make a little note. But, like, get, make it your friend. But, like, make it your servant friend. Like, this, it's okay. This book is an inanimate object, and it does not need to last for the ages. But, like, I think it can be a little cognitively useful to make that notebook your pal, to start carrying it or, around with you. Make sure you've got several pens and pencils with you. You might want to have some markers with you because that's really fun to do if you want to do a mind map. But honestly, stuff like stickers or things like drawings, things you've cut out, you can make your own little personal Pinterest and put in little pictures of things that you like. I don't care if it inspires you. Just whatever it is, just do it. Have fun with it. 
and just start thinking of it as the place where you go. It's like a, like I say, a commonplace book. Like this is a thing that is just going to be a running thing. It could be like a programmer's journal, however that works for you. But like start using that as a place where you jot stuff down. And so that to me, that start of it, part of it is like you have, it helps to prepare it by preparing yourself by saying like this thing, uh, I'm trying to avoid cursing here, but like this, this is mine. I'm going to have fun with this and I'm going to go crazy with this. And I think that can help kind of, uh, wedge your way out of seeing this as this art object that needs to be cared for. That's, that's all silly stuff, but I think that can be all really useful. What do you do with your notebook when you're done with it? I usually just throw them in a pile. Some people put them on a shelf. Um, You know, um, I really like those. um, They make these, Sharpie makes these, uh, they're like a Sharpie, but they're metallic. So they, you know, like a silver or a gold, you can get those markers that are like metallic silver and gold. Yeah. With, With something like that, you can write on the spine or you can write on the cover, which I encourage you to do. Write on the spine, write on the cover. Do that thing you used to do when you were a kid and like write on the sides of the pages. Like you could write your name on it, or you could write whatever on it. Like that's all, that's all okay. I don't I don't refer back to them very much. They're fun to look at sometimes, but um, but that's that's all that's all like mental model stuff to like get you thinking about this as your pal. Like if you haven't used a notebook in a while, like start carrying it around with you and start using it. Like when you have a spare moment, maybe instead of looking at your phone, maybe go look at your notebook and jot down some stuff. Do a, do a funny drawing, like make a list of things like, you know, and, and again, now this also leads you to all kinds of funny exercises. I got that website called fives, like go and make a list of five things in there that are that like, that are like a funny thing. Go make a, go have a page. that's nothing but fake band names. Do another page that's the, do, do a page, which is like places you'd like to travel, whatever it is, like just go and do it. That's all stuff. And, but then you get into what I would call like these sort of daily pages is I think what this person was asking about and how that I use it. And, um, did you want to tell me about something else that you like? Sure, I can tell you about uh, tell you about Linda. Why not? This episode is brought Linda. to you by Linda. Linda dot com slash back to work. That's where they ask you to go if you want to get started with uh, their really amazing service and support the show at the same time. Linda, it's spelled L Y N D A. Linda dot com slash back to work. Go there and you'll get a free ten day trial. Linda is, I, I think, really one of the best ways to learn anything if you are a pro and you want to get better or like update your skills learn something where you know what oh this brand new version of the app came out i've been using the old version time to time to switch you can go to linda and you can watch their intro course to it i've told this story before but there is this really really valuable thing you can do with linda when we were considering what software to get to do some of the video editing I had no idea where to start. I knew that I was probably going to be hands-on with some of the video editing myself, not a lot of it, but just enough that it was going to matter. And I wanted to know, should I go with Final Cut Pro, which is what you know Apple's been making for years, or is there something else? There's products by Adobe. There's products by Avid. There are all of these different things out there. And what would you normally do? Normally, the old-fashioned way is you'd go and like sign up and register on each of these different websites and see if you could download their software in a trial thing to like try. None of that is like really good because it's super time-consuming and you're going to be wasting you know tens of gigs of space on your on your machine to just get this stuff installed just to see if you even like it. So I thought, wait a minute, Linda has all these really cool courses. Well, guess what? They've got like an intro overview segment course for each of these different applications and some I'd never even heard of. I spent maybe 30 minutes 
watching these intro courses and right away I walked away from it saying, you know what? I, now I know which one I want to use and I know why I want to use it. And I didn't have to install anything. It was just right there. That's one of the great things you can do with Linda. You can jump right in and learn something. You can search for a specific topic that you want and get an answer, or you can sit back and like make a playlist of courses and become an expert in something in no time. That's enough, I think, for you to get an idea of, of what this is all about. And it's a subscription service, so you sign up and then you get access to all of the videos, and they've got more than 3,000 of them. You want to go download it to your iOS device, watch it on a plane, come off the plane, now you're a genius. They're going to have to run with that. And, you know, that's <laughs> just an idea guy. Linda, just an idea guy. Linda.com yeah. slash back to work. Sign up for the free trial. And even just visiting the site, you'll learn about Linda and you'll support the show. So thanks very much to them. Again, the URL, L-Y-N-D-A, Linda.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Okay. I'm putting a link on Twitter. Uh, please check. Go, go to the link if you don't mind. Go to the link I just sent you in the dingus. All right. Hold on there. Hmm. 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 <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> I'm clicking. I'm going. I'm scrolling. I'm clicking. Okay. All right. I I, oh, right. I see it. What's it called? It says uh, nothing doesn't go here. Nothing doesn't go in here. Go in here. Sorry. Nothing doesn't go in here. So I just sent this out on Twitter too. If you're listening right now, you can follow along. Seven this photos is from in this, 2011. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, this is just to give you an idea and uh, to inspire you. For this challenge, I want you to be inspired by a bridge in New York. Mm, See, you're using this. May I, may I make a comment as I scroll yes. down? You are using this in very much uh, a like a more like a commonplace book than like just a notebook. It could be anything. That's the thing. That that's the reason for the phrase. Nothing doesn't go in here. There is nothing that can't go in here. There's this page. Like, I want you to really get your stupid head around this idea, people. Anything you want can go in here. And if you want to follow along for just a second, I'm going to take you on a quick death march. This is from four years ago of the kinds of things that can go in here. Let's start with image number one. What's on the page? I am looking at page one. You have written the first page is profound. Great. You're done. Write that on the first page of every notebook. You're fine now. Now, anything you put in here, you've already said something incredibly profound. You now have permission to, to, to go do whatever it is that you want to do. Okay, go to the next page. The next page has, uh, you're using both <laughs> sides of it. And on the left, yeah. the left-hand side, there is what looks like... That's what I call a pen test. Okay. You got a pen test. Okay. So uh, notebooks are great for pen tests because you're going to want to test your pens and pencils and see what it looks like. So what I will do, I'll take the pen. In this case, these are, uh, there were markers. Orange, and I just black, see green, yellow. Right. But you can also take a handful of pens, write the name, the brand name and the name of the pen on the page. You'll see what it looks like on a page. This is a great way to waste time <laughs> and uh, feel like you're doing a thing. <laughs> uh, this is uh, notes from Daddy Daughter Night. Uh, there's some ways she wants to name animals. Um, okay, go to the next one. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> My daughter, it says, as it says on the card that I've taped in here, it says Ellie peeled a cutie. So my daughter had one of those little oranges. <laughs> we put the sticker onto a note card. We took the peel from the cutie and taped it uh, into the notebook. So now it's got a, it's got part of an orange in it. You got a Tuscan Raider saying citrus. <laughs> you got two more cutie ones. Go to the next one. Oh, the next one's just in a lot of boring uh, stuff about productivity stuff. But you can keep going, keep going through. You'll see. Oh, there's me on number. Six of six, it says. That's me trying to explain to her the chronology of how the Star Wars movies came out, which I'm sure she was very interested in as a four year old. <laughs> That's in there. 
Oh, yeah. And then we always used to draw a butterfly at dinner. There's Johnny the Butterfly who carries boxes, buttons, and people. And then I think maybe most famously, you'll remember this one. Go to the last one. Oh, yes. I, I recognize that one. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. One time I wrote Jeff Goldblum on a page and circled it, and I don't know why. Okay. Uh, that's all really silly. Not useful stuff, but like, think about that phrase. Like, nothing doesn't go in here. And like, once you get your head around that and you start using this for like, you know, a minute here, a minute there, a minute everywhere, like, you'll find funny stuff to put in there and it starts to feel like more like your thing. And you don't have to be as dumb as this. You don't have to like amuse yourself and a child with what you're doing, but like, feel okay to do whatever with this. If you would like to tape an orange into your notebook, there is nobody who will stop you. I think that's important to know. I think it is. And notebooks for a while were, you know, we kind of thought they were going to be gone. They were going to go away. We were going to use computers for everything. And now we have this iPad Pro with a pencil on it. Do you think people are going to be like going to that now instead of a real notebook? Do you think it is just still not satisfied? Such different things uh, to me, like such very different things. Um, One of the, Actually, one of the the bane of our existence, one of our homework assignments uh, every two weeks, my daughter has a list of like uh, five sight words and 10 spelling words that she needs to work on. And I I really like this. It frustrates me that she can't get more excited about this. But her homework assignment over two weeks is to choose. There's this grid of like nine options for fun stuff you could do with your spelling words. Uh, some that we have done. You can write your spelling words in shaving cream. You can spread pudding right, all over right, a tray right. and write your spelling words with your finger in, in that. One that we end up doing a lot because we both like it is she'll type out. There's one called Fancy Nancy from the Fancy Nancy book. <laughs> fancy Nan- Nancy writing where you like try and make your like really fancy like fake cursive. Another one she likes to do that we end up using a lot because it's easy is like she'll take the iPad. I open this document in pages. She types her words <laughs> with autocorrect and uh, and then like makes them different funny um fonts and colors yeah we do that that's all that one that's do. the number one choice in our household because there are so Sounds many like very fonts. similar yeah, yeah well, another one we like to do is flashcards. my wife went to uh, office depot last night and bought, bought some um uh not lamentation laminating materials so we could actually make laminated flashcards. that's kind of fun to do for john roderick you can make a press pass for your high school <laughs> um and so that's really fun but uh you know again it's there's so much peril for a little kid so much peril or like should i try this do i want to do this so much pushback but like you're a grown-up it's okay you can do whatever crazy thing that you want to do and like and that's and that's okay um so some ideas for things that you can do different ways to what we talk about when we talk about notebooks to paraphrase uh raymond carver uh you can you can have certain pages for certain kinds of things I think this is a little bit of a pro move, but you might want to have pages. I usually use pages toward the back. Think about the way a notebook is shaped and the way you use it. You might want to have pages in the back that are for running things, and I would minimize these personally. But you might want to have a page in the back, which is movie. one page called Movies People Recommended. You might want to have another called like Cool Quotes. You might have another called like uh, Sites to Visit or something like that. That's all kind of like, meh. Like, yeah, that's okay. Like, that's kind of like how I would use a text file. And I would be happy to talk about how I use those differently. But then I think just go starting at the beginning. Remember, your notebook is already profound. Just start plowing through there. And one of the things I do is I, t- I tend to make a daily page, which I described a little bit last time. And I think that's what this person is asking about. This may not be for you, but I find this very useful. And this is for what I would call the morning dump, which is like when I get, <laughs> you take your morning dump, which is like you write 
neatly, like a gentleman, you write the day of the week and the date at the top of the page. And use this however you want. I'm just telling you how I use this. And then I have four quadrants on the page. And now we're deep in productivity porn. Pound sign productivity. On the top left of the page, I start writing down the projects. My words would be like, the projects I need to touch today. So there's like three to ten things. And I usually just jot down some abbreviations. I might, might put B2W at the top of the page. That means I need to do something about back to work today. I'm not sure what yet. TDR, I need to do something about the Dalrymple report. Rectifs, I need to do something about reconcilable differences with the great John Syracuse today. Uh, I need to do something about guitar. I need to do something about dinner. Right. Like just nouns that need to be dealt with today. But do that mentally in your head. Think about what you'd write on that top left. And the first thing you'll notice is you probably have more things on your mind than you realize, more nouns. So that's how you have that list of nouns. Now, as soon as you start thinking about a noun, what happens? As soon as you start thinking about the noun called dinner, guess what? You get two things. You get more nouns and you get verbs, right? So if I write down the noun dinner, well, what, what is dinner? Well, dinner is like, I need to plan dinner. Like, am I going to do an Instacart? Am I going to go to Safeway? I'm going to make something with what we've got. Do I need to defrost something? Because, oh, that means I have to think ahead a little bit. What does that noun mean? I hope you can already see how this can be very useful. You're walking your way through what you, what you want your day to look like in your notebook that belongs to you. So dinner, oh, guess what now? That becomes a to-do. To-dos for me go in the upper right quadrant. This does not matter. Do it however works for you. Under that date, in the right, I will write something like go to Safeway or something like that. Or I might say, you know, uh, defrost chicken breasts or something like that. That goes on a list. That's a dumb thing, but that's my life. It's a collection of dumb things. <laughs> and, and, and I keep, I keep going and, and, and going down. Now, if there's enough things, I frequently discover that I need something like what I will call a shopping list. Now, for something that I would call a shopping list, for me, that tends to go in the lower right quadrant, starting at the bottom of the page and going up. So you see how it's like f- slowly filling the center? Mm-hmm. So shopping list things might go down there. So top left, I got nouns that are on my mind. Uh, upper right quadrant, I've got like verbs and to dos and stuff stuff that I need to do. I need to write show notes for reconcilable differences. Uh, I need to do the show notes for this week for for back to work. I need to schedule uh, when Roderick is coming to town to do a thing. Like that all goes there. And then so, and usually I use that lower left for the me stuff, for like the stuff that's on my mind, the stuff that I would like to do. And, and maybe there's not a distinction here, but for me, like I go like, oh, you know what? I really want to take a walk today. That could be a to-do, but I'm going to put that down in my special area in the lower left. All right, take a walk or something like that. Or I'll write like, you know, take a nap. I'm planning to take a nap today. I didn't get enough sleep last night. At one o'clock today, I'm planning to take a nap. Don't be creepy. So that kind of stuff goes there. You could do this however you want. That gives you this giant middle section of the page that's probably mostly blank where you could doodle. You can draw lines. You can do all kinds. Of, you, you can tape part of a piece of fruit into there and that would all be okay but that's what i would call a daily page and so at the point it's sort of like the first time you make a wiki where like you want to try and keep everything as compact as you can until it needs other pages the worst thing you can do for a wiki i think is to like automatically just start making pages before you have content for it i always like to start with a one-page wiki and break it up as it needs to be broken down same here now if make dinner is actually about thanksgiving heck that deserves a page in my book flip it over maybe i'll tape in a picture of a turkey maybe i'll trace my hand that's the thing i can do it looks like a turkey try it and uh and now i got a whole page where i could do that stuff uh do i need to go doodle about like this project john and i are working on that can be a page you see where i'm going with this this is not hard but like it does once you if if you're at the position where you can look at what I'm describing going that's not rocket science you write in a notebook yes that is absolutely true the rocket science part of it is getting past like why haven't you written in a notebook before 
Like what has been your barrier? Right. Pound sign, pound sign barrier to the thing <laughs> that, that you'd like to be capturing. Because now if you do that and you do that every day or almost every day, you do that almost every morning. If that becomes the thing you do while you're making coffee is starting to write like kind of mindfully write the day on the top of that page, your work has begun. You've started doing what you're going to do. And now nothing doesn't go in there. If something needs to happen, it goes in there. It could go other places, but now you've got a companion. You've got a pal that can take care of encompassing all of the things that you'd like your life to be today. I think that's a great start. So at what point, though, do you make that decision between I'm going to put this in my because we talked a lot about calendars, like at what point is this going in my to do list is in wonder list or at what point is this going in fantastical or calendars? You know what I'm saying? Like, at, yeah. at, is it is this more for like the brainstorming stage where you you're kind of putting things down as they occur to you and then later you're structuring that using the tools that will then remind you effectively and in your process or how does that uh, or, or are they independent things that you're doing no, one instead of the to, other? To me, it works totally fine and totally organically with any of the other tools that I use. So for example, I, I still use OmniFocus as the place where I track a, a lot of tasks. It's just that I'm using that notebook instead of the OmniFocus inbox. I, 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 will, I have said and will continue to say that I think a lot of people may not understand what the inbox is for in OmniFocus uh, or in anywhere, any GTD-like system, uh, is that the inbox is where you put stuff that you haven't, you're not done thinking about. That's a capture area. Really? Think about what is an inbox. An inbox is a place where, for example, I have it set up so that I can talk to Siri and say, um, you know, add buy new notebook to my task list. And next time I open OmniFocus, it sucks that out of the reminders thing. A great, great fast way. You can also do this. Somebody sent us a tip for how you can do this with Wonderlist, Wunderlist, as Mike Hurley says. There's, uh, there's all kinds of ways you can do that. The only difference here is I'm using something different for the inbox. And then if I do want to put it into OmniFocus, I mean, I may not put it into OmniFocus because I'm, I find it very satisfying to cross something off a page. That feels really good. If it gets to be like 2.30, I say, oh, I should go look at Mr. Notebook and see like what needs to be done. Hello, Mr. Notebook. Have you things for me to do? And I will cross them off with a horizontal line that feels so great. But yeah, no, that, that might mean that if it's stuff that, especially if it's ongoing projects, which is mostly what I use OmniFocus for, that will, that will go in the right place in there. But I've done it mindfully now. Now I'm not just blindly tossing stuff, you know, uh, called, I don't have a to-do called make call. Right. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, like schedule call with Dan about quarter four. Like that's a, that's a thing I can do. I know what that means. Um, but I've already thought that through. I continue to do a lot of things with text files. And so like all the show notes for my shows are in text files, but you know, I used to feel when I was doing more stuff that was going to be published somewhere, I would get really hung up about notebooks because it felt like a waste of time given that I'd have to like retype it somewhere. Um, just with the stuff that I'm doing right now, I don't, I don't feel that so much. And I still do use stuff like, uh, task paper. I really like task paper. If I just need a quick way to like lay in bed and make a to-do list, I'll use task paper for that. It's basically a text format for to-dos with apps that support it. Very easy to use. And like I say, for ongoing projects for me, that goes in OmniFocus. I'm not trying to... I mean, don't, don't stare at my finger. Like, look at the moon. Right. All I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is, like, you'll, you can find a way that this stuff works for you. But, like, you know, I, I had a call with a friend um, a week or so ago, and we were talking about, amongst other things, GTD, getting things done, and how, like, you may not a adopt and stick with GTD forever, but, like, you could do a lot worse for when you hit rock bottom. Like, when you're feeling completely overwhelmed, 
boy, that can be a savior because it gives you this whole system, this whole like thought technology for how you deal with your life. And to me, that could be a notebook is always there. It's always waiting for you. Like one notebook, you know, one pencil or pen, like that's always going to be your boon companion when you need to figure out where to dump something. And don't let that resistance stop you. Like make that if you if you are feeling flustered about all your different buckets you're dealing with, um, be okay with the fact that anything, nothing doesn't go in here. I think that's a good practice. Thought technologies. Thought technologies. Somebody has tweeted us uh, with a photo of their notebook that they are using. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's lovely. Look at that. And uh, that's uh, Gemma? Yep. Gemma or Gemma? I say say Gemma. I say say Gemma. Gemma. Uh, Hi, Gemma. Thank you for that nice note. Um, But now let's... uh, Do we have any more sponsors? Nope, that's it. Excellent. Um, so let's as we wrap up here. Unless you, you have anything else? No, that's good for me. We can explode this out a little bit, which is um, let's let let's let's go back in retrospect and look at some of the patterns that we're putting in place here. Um, one of the patterns is nothing doesn't go in here. There's nothing that can't go in there. Like you can make English words. Sorry, you don't get emoji in a notebook. You know, you're just gonna have to suck that up for a couple minutes. But if you can use your words like a grown up, you can write down anything that's on your mind and put it there. And you can decide, is that something I'm doing? Is this something I'm not doing? Is this something I'm thinking about? I don't care. Like you've got a place where that goes. And now you've got a place where that goes. You don't have an excuse anymore for not capturing stuff when it's on your mind because that's where it goes. Nothing doesn't go in there. And again, I would have that one notebook that you use. You could use index cards for this. So let's explode it a little more. What are other options? You could have what I've called the hipster PDA. You could have a bunch of index cards and a clip. You could have a field notes notebook. Um, Moleskine also makes, uh, I'm not going to say Moleskine. Moleskine also makes a really cool, cool notebook that I carry around in my back pocket. I don't know the name of it, but it is chapters i don't know what the name of it is but it uh basically it's a notebook where um some of the pages are perforated and some of the pages are permanent does field notes make one like that too where you can rip yeah i think the last like 10 pages you can rip out i think i don't actually come to think of it i don't know if field notes does that but see you're talking about different xoxo here different sizes of notebooks like do you have a go-to size uh i like again this is just me i'm not I'm not saying go buy notebooks. <laughs> Please, don't, if you take nothing else away from this, like don't just like if you've got a notebook, got one, get one you've already started with, right? And like if you've done like the first ten pages, open a new page and start with that one. Boy, talk about a healthy thing to do. But if you are in the market, uh, you know the Moleskins I like. Um, I really like. I don't like the Cahiers. Um, the C A H I E R. I'm not crazy about those. The ones that I like Is that are how you say that? the Cahiers. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I think it means journal in uh, in Francais. Oh, wow. On Francais. Uh, I like the ones that are like the classic hardcover ones, but they're floppy. Those are good for a backpack. I like one that will fit if I'm going to have one in my back pocket. Uh, they also make these really nice ones that are like perfect bound that hold up pretty well. These little, I don't know what the name of them is, but you usually get them in like three packs. You can get them like blue. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but those are, I think they're perfect bound. They've got like this kind of square spine. So it's not, it's not stapled. It's not like fancy bound, like a book. Um, those are really great and they're not too expensive and they're very portable. Great for a backpack. Small ones are good for a back pocket, but you know, you'll find one that works for you. Like don't, don't worry. Like once you've gotten one notebook and like you filled it, like that's when you get to go be fancy about deciding what your next one's going to be. The The biggest barrier is the getting it into the notebook. Don't spend too much time on it. Like I can tell you, I like this particular notebook. I like this particular pencil, but like, I, I hope that won't hang you up, you know? 
And it, it kind of gets back to this other this idea that we talked about, I think, a few months ago. Like, it's the mark on a page. It's the making a mark on a page. Like, before you have a screenplay that somebody reads in the right format, you have to go make a mark on a page. Before you have your first drawing that you don't hate, you have to make a mark on a page. Before you make uh, the meeting... Uh, with somebody to to talk about getting married, like you have to go make a mark on a page. That mark on a page is deliberately a very general and abstract notion that I'm handing you. But remember that everything starts with a mark on a page. So what you need is a notebook where you are making so goddamn many marks on a page that you never feel resistance again. Have, you know, if you want 20 sharpened pencils around that make you feel, have that, do that. If you want some of those little uh, manga markers that I use, get them. Pencil sign markers, love them. Check them out. Like colored pencils, great. If you want to have uh, a graph paper or a grid, that's good. If you want lines, get lines. If you want sketch paper, get sketch paper. But whatever it is, find yourself. Find yourself making more marks on a page. Marks on a page. I love it. Yeah, me too. See, the people with smart speed won't hear the dramatic pause. Oh, doesn't that break your heart? It does, every time. Yeah. My problem is, like, I listen to stuff on Smart Speed, and Smart Speed has been great, continues to get better, but it still gets a little confused sometimes. So, like, music sounds really weird and speeds up and stuff. Oh, yeah. Mark on a page, Dan. Mark on a page. Mark on a page. Mark on a page. We, I think we helped some people today. I think we so. We talked about Weird Al. We talked about uh, verticals and brands. Yep. Constantly Italian notebooks. What do you use for a notebook? Uh, well, I'm I'm going to start using this Tanner Goods one, which I really like, but in general, I, I like the one that you described, you said it's like the hardcover one, but it's, uh, has a, I'll find a out soft the cover that, that one, I find that the field notes style ones, I use those. I always have one of those in my car uh, with a, with a space pen so that I can, you know, if I think of something there and I want to jot something down, those are best for me. If I know that I'm going to be like out and about for the day, especially with my kids. And I want to have something that I can take with me to jot things down on if it occurs to me to do that. I always have that. I That's not my preference, though. My preference is the larger, I guess you would say, if you took an eight and a half by 11, fold it in half, and that, that one that we're talking about, I don't so much Pla- care on the called brand. The, uh, the, I can tell you the two here that I like. One is the plain soft notebook in the size large. And then I like the squared notebook. Nope, that's not it. Squared notebook and pocket. I can't find the name of it. Let's see if I can find it for notes. Yeah, but don't get too hung up. I mean, you go to this website. God, I'm looking at their website now. You can get Hello Kitty and Mickey Mouse and Star Wars. And like, that's all fine. But like now that's that's not exactly yours. The part that makes it yours, if you want Star Wars on it, put a sticker on the front. Make a stupid drawing. Like make it bad. Make it dumb. You know, ruin it. Breakfast journal. Mark on a page, Dan. Mark on a page. Love it. Yeah. All right. You want to bind this up? Sure. I mean, it's, you know, if you want to. It's an hour and 20, Dan. All right. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.